You're tuned to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcasted live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator. And he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for almost 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, folks, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Happy Saturday, East Tennessee, on this cool November morning, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and you know, retirement will undoubtedly be a time of great change for you. Of course, you'll stop working, and you might start doing more of the things you've always wanted to do. Maybe you'll travel spend more time at a vacation house, or visit friends and family you haven't been able to see as much. But remember that the world around you can also change, and you need to be prepared. We could see changes to Social Security, tax increases, changing rules, and a greater need for long-term care. A solid financial plan, I believe, is more important for today's retiree than ever before with all of the kind of convergence of all of the risk factors that are out there in today's world. So whether you're worried about running out of money in retirement, paying too much in taxes, navigating social security, educating yourself and creating a plan of action can absolutely help. So if you have questions about your retirement, you're in the right place. Here's what we'll cover in today's show. We'll talk about the social security benefit increase in 2022 and what that might mean down the road. And what does that say about inflation? We'll also talk about what women should know when claiming Social Security. We'll talk about how expensive long-term care can get. And we'll talk about the likelihood of changes in IRA and Roth IRA rules. So we'll answer some, hopefully, some common retirement questions that you might have and talk about some of the pitfalls you could face in retirement. So let's just kind of dive right in. Social Security cost of living increases. Social Security recipients will see a 5.9% increase in 2022. We talked about that coming out a couple of weeks ago. This is the largest increase since 1982. 40 years. In contrast, last year's cost of living adjustment was only 1.3%. Three of the last 12 years, it's been zero. And it's averaged around 1.5% per year in the last 12 years. So we'll talk about what this means for Social Security beneficiaries and why this may not be a good sign in terms of inflation and what you can do to protect your savings from inflation. So let's talk about this 5.9% increase. First of all, you don't have to be drawing Social Security to get the benefit of the 5.9% increase. So don't feel like you have to rush out and, and elect to draw Social Security because it goes up for current recipients. It also 
your base benefit, your calculation of your Social Security entitlement, everybody's goes up 5.9%. So what that means <clears throat> is when you look at your earnings record <clears throat> and it says, you know, let's say you have your earnings record and it says what your Social Security benefit, let's say you look at your 2021 Social Security earnings report, which you can get at ssa.gov. You can sign up for that. And by the way, if you haven't done that, I do urge you to do that. You should check that really every year. Uh, it has your earnings record on it. And for identity theft reasons, you should be pulling that up every year to make sure nothing seems amiss. Because think about this. If you're 45 years old, you're not going to think about, you know, you're not going to be drawing Social Security for maybe 20, 25 years. So, you know, you don't want to get to you don't want to get to age 65 or 70 or whenever you draw, and all of a sudden you find out there's an identity theft issue. Uh, but if you look at your earnings report and it tells you what your let's say it tells you what your expected benefit is at full retirement age. Which, if you're born after 1959, your full retirement age is 67. If you're born before 1959, it's going to be between 66 and 67. If you're born before 1955, it's going to be 66. But you look at it at full retirement age and it tells you your benefit, that number is going to go up 5.9% next year, even if you're not already drawing. So just be aware of that. All these cost of living adjustments for Social Security do affect your future benefit to the positive. This is the highest cost of living increase in, 20, in 40 years with Social Security. So the average Social Security recipient will see a $92 a month raise in, 90, in 2022. But we don't know how much Medicare premiums will rise in 2022. So any Medicare premium increase, if you're drawing Medicare, would cut into this increase. So just be aware of that. And, and will those Medicare increases be higher this year? We don't know yet. So this cost of living increase is meant to offset the increased inflation that we've seen this year. And of course, inflation has been rearing its ugly head. But with such a large increase, it's more likely that in 2023 and maybe even 2024, we could see no increase in Social Security benefits. So what is the average increase over the three years? And will that keep up with inflation? Now, if we look at the Social Security cost of living increases over time, so like since 2000, what has happened? According to the Senior Citizens League, the purchasing power of your Social Security benefit today is 33% lower than it was in 2000. That's for people drawing. That's for you and me that are not drawing. In other words, you know, I just told you that, you know, if you look at your full retirement age benefit increasing every year for cost of living, you know, it's increasing every, even if you're still younger and still working. It's going up, but it's going up a third. It's lost a third of its purchasing power. 
So let, let's use math on that. Let's, let's assume that in 2000, your full retirement age benefit was $2,100 a month. And then since then, it's been continuing to increase. But in relative terms, in spite of those increases in benefits, in terms of what you need to live on in retirement, it's like having $1,400 a month in the same kinds of language. So you, you could even think about it today. If your full benefit is $2,100, that'd be like saying in 21 years, even with increases, it's like drawing $1,400 a month. And that's happened mostly because benefit increases have not kept up with the cost of living for things like prescription drugs, food, and housing costs. So what this really means, we're, we're seeing more and more concerns of inflation. And as I said, with a big increase next year, that looks good, but that means the following years, because of the way that benefit is calculated, we're likely to see little to no benefit increase for the next couple of years after 2022. But historically, cost of living increases have not kept up with Social Security, or, or excuse me, have not kept up with inflation. Now, there have been proposals in Congress, but the Joe Biden administration has talked about changing the way they calculate cost of living increases. So we'll see what happens in the future. But I think it's even less likely in the future that Social Security benefits will keep up with inflation in retirement in terms of what you need to be buying. So what that means is your income plan, you're going to need to replace, you know, when we retire, we no longer have earned income. So you're going to need over time in retirement to replace your income more and more with withdrawings from savings. And we have volatile markets. We have lower interest rates. We have risks of higher inflation. So it creates a you know, a challenge, but you can, it just means you need a great income plan. You've got to have stability of income in the short term that isn't dependent on stock market conditions. You know, you shouldn't be drawing income from your risk investments. Risk investments that are in the market go sharply up and down over time, and that means inevitably they will be sharply down, and that means when they're down, you're going to have to sell them off and spend that money as income. And you never want to spend an investment loss. It's okay to sell something when it's down and reinvest it, but you never want to sell it when it's down and spend it. So you want to be depending on it on stability of income in the short term, but in the long term you need growth. And risk investments give you the greatest likelihood of growth to beat inflation if you can give yourself enough time. So your financial plan has to create time and put time on your side, where you don't need to touch those market investments for a number of years. Now, you still can't afford to lose too much in a down market, but you've just got to create a plan that, that puts time on your side. But I think it's critical to understand that your Social Security income is likely to continue to decrease as compared to cost of living in retirement. 
Now, I'm not a gloom and doomer on Social Security. I mean, we all have heard the, you know, oh, the, the, you know, the Social Security benefit fund runs out in like 2033 or 2034, and at that point there will be less coming in than is going out. And, you know, what are we going to do? I don't think for you younger people, people under age 55 years old especially, I don't think your Social Security benefit is going to go away. I think it's always going to be there. I think there could be changes to the way it's structured. They could raise full retirement age. They could change the benefit structure to have more means testing, meaning those in retirement that make more money might have their benefit reduced some or taxed more. But I don't think it's going to go away. But under any scenario, I, I think it's very likely that Social Security benefits continue to lose the battle against true cost of living for retirees. So you need to have a plan for that uh, in your retirement plan. Now, when we come back, we're going to get a little bit more into Social Security. And we're going to, I'm going to talk about important things women should know about Social Security. So stay with us. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan, and we come to you every Saturday at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. You can also catch all of our podcasts online, broganfinancial.com. Click on radio. You can hear all our shows, also our dollars and cents segments, and our retirement minute that runs every week on this station. Now, claiming Social Security can be a bit more complicated for women, but it's just as important to know how to maximize your benefit. You know, you may have taken off time from work when the kids were young or when a parent could no longer take care of themselves. As a result, your Social Security benefit might be less than your husband's or your ex-husband's. Or if you work for less than 10 years, well, let me rephrase that. You were paid for work outside the home for less than 10 years, right? I mean, my wife for many of our years of marriage, work primarily in the home. Uh, Maybe the most important job, one of the most, certainly, in America. But she was, you know, that was not earned work uh, in terms of a paycheck that would contribute to Social Security benefits. Uh, So if if you don't have 40 quarters of earned income, you're not entitled to a Social Security benefit of your own. But this doesn't mean that you get unrewarded in retirement because of spousal benefits. So why can retirement planning look different for women? So one issue is longevity. As you know, many of you know, most of us, women tend to live longer than men. And by the way, for a single female age 65 years old, the average life expectancy is 26 years for that female, 91 years old. is average, not, oh, a few, some of you may get there. That's like the average listener today that's a lady 65 years old is expected to live to 91. And then life priorities 
impact all of this because women may leave the workforce to take care of family, whether it's your children or even your parents, as I mentioned. And then, of course, there is still, unfortunately, a pay gap in America between men and women. Men in the same role as women typically make more. So for women, the decision of how and when to apply for Social Security benefits will be a bit more complicated since they tend to live longer than men and it is possible that they may receive lower benefits if they've earned less during their working years or have been absent from work for some period of time. And remember, when they, when they calculate your Social Security benefit, they look at your highest 35 years of earnings. So, you know, if you've worked for 25 years, you've got 10 years of zero that are put in there as an average when they calculate your benefit. So here are some important things you need to know for you ladies out there. One is you get, in any married couple, the lower earning spouse, which sometimes is men, um, but the lower earning spouse is entitled to the greater of your own benefit or one half of your spouse's benefit. So like we'll use me and my wife as an example. My wife, as I mentioned, spent many years where her primary work was in the home, raising our two daughters. And so half of my benefit is going to be worth more than her benefit. So she can draw a spousal benefit of half of mine. Now to get half of mine, I have to be drawing. So that could affect what my strategy is. Also, the, uh, you know, the earlier you draw, the, the greater the benefit is reduced. And we know we can draw our own benefit. We can delay it to as late as age 70. And those are important things to know because the increase in benefit from age 62 to age 70, everything else being equal, the increase in benefit is over 75%. Meaning if your benefit at age 62 is $2,000 a month, at age 70 it's going to be over $3,500 a month and you're going to draw that higher benefit for the rest of your life. And remember, people are living longer and longer lives. However, the spousal benefit does not increase if you delay it past full retirement age. So that it could affect my strategy of when I draw, because then DD, if I'm not drawing, if I'm delaying my benefit to 70, she can't get the spousal benefit. She would have to draw her own benefit at, at 67 at her full retirement age. She could draw hers, but it would be less than half of mine. So she could draw it, and then if I delayed to 70, once I turned 70 and draw it, then she could switch over to the spousal benefit. But there's just no increase in that spousal benefit to delay past full retirement age. So that could affect both of our strategies. Now, if you're currently divorced... You can also claim the spousal benefit if you were married for at least 10 years. You're entitled to the same spousal benefit calculation. And in a divorce situation, your ex-spouse does not have to be drawing his or her benefit. Um, now, you're going to have to prove that to Social Security. You're going to have to prove you were married for more than 10 years. They're not going to connect those dots for you. 
Now, widow-widower benefits are also critically important, and this is this is also important for women to understand, if you were, especially if you're the lower-earning spouse. Because if your husband delays his benefit, let's say delays to 70, and you say, well, I don't know if he'll live long enough to get the benefit of delaying to age 70. Well, the question isn't, does he live long enough? It's, does either, either of you live long enough? Because, see, let, let, let's say... You draw, let's say you're, you're a lady and your benefit is lower than your husband's or your ex-husband's and you were married for more than 10 years and you draw at 65 years old and your husband delays his benefit to age 70 and gets the higher benefit and let's say your husband or ex-husband dies first, you then get his benefit. And if his benefit is higher because he delayed the benefit to age 70, you get that higher benefit. So, you know, if especially when there's a larger age gap between the husband and the wife or the higher earner and the lower earner, it makes even more sense for the higher earning spouse to delay because then if that spouse dies first and there's a pretty significant age gap, then you'll then get that higher widow benefit for the rest of your life. And again, if you're, ex, an, if you're divorced and you were married for more than 10 years, you get that same widow benefit uh, when your ex-spouse dies. But you have to know that and you have to tell Social Security. So all of these things are very important for women. And it's important if you're, if you're married and not divorced, it's important to know how the, the spousal and widow benefits work and work in tandem with your spouse uh, to come up with the optimal Social Security filing strategy. You know, there are literally hundreds of ways to file for Social Security benefits in combination. And, um, you know, according to a recent report, only 4% of, of, of Social Security beneficiaries file uh, under the ideal correct strategy. Now, granted, we don't know when we're going to die, but it's very, very important. And it's not just... How do you get the most out of Social Security? It's also, you know, if you're not drawing and you need income, that means you're going to have to hit your savings harder, right? And that, you know, some people, I mean, I'm saying it's great, especially for the higher earning spouse to delay benefits to age 70, but can you afford to do that? I mean, if you need the income and you're having to hit your savings and you gut your savings getting to age 70, well, that's no good either. And unfortunately, gutting your savings in that first five to ten years in retirement is, is, could be catastrophic. So some people I meet with in my office cannot afford to retire the Social Security, or excuse me, cannot afford to delay the Social Security benefit. So, you know, these decisions are, are very complicated and they're highly individualized. And what, what's good for your neighbor or your colleague or your family member may be the worst thing you could do. Every Social Security decision has to be thoughtfully considered and is unique to each person or each couple. Absolutely. Okay, now we have a, a resource for this. If you go to my website at broganfinancial.com and you click on resources, 
we have a guide to maximizing Social Security income. Just scroll down. You'll actually see all of our resources there. Um, but you can download our guide for Social Security benefit planning. So I would love to see you do that and take advantage. Um, and it's a it's the 2021 Social Security Guide. So so download that. It's a free download, and uh, hopefully it'll get you started in the right direction. Uh, we also do comprehensive Social Security analysis. You know that that's part of your comprehensive retirement financial plan. So assessing, you know, one of the five key pillars of retirement planning is income planning, and and one of the key pillars of that is Social Security election, and also taxation of Social Security benefits. So, you know, that has to be part of your social, or excuse me, your retirement plan. And even if you're already drawing, you still got to have a good awareness of what are those benefits in the future with things like widow benefits. Okay, we're, uh, we're in our bottom of the hour break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss the threat of long-term care. It's becoming a bigger and bigger issue. If you're 65 years old today, you have a 70% likelihood you're going to need an extended form of care because you cannot live on your own independently for more than 90 days. And it's becoming more and more expensive. So stay with us. We'll talk about that very important health care challenge when we come back. This is More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. We come to you every Saturday here at News Talk 98.7 WOKI from the Brogan Financial Studio. We're on at 9 o'clock a.m., 9 to 10, and again at 3 to 4 p.m. So if you've missed part of it, you want to catch some this afternoon, be sure to do that. You can also catch all of our podcasts online, all of our shows, and all of our other media content. Go to broganfinancial.com and click on radio. Uh, or if you if you click on uh, blogs, you can you can also get get some of my media content when I like for ex- instance my recent appearance on on Haller and Hill show uh, is on there linked as well. Now, can middle income earners in America afford long term care? You know, 14 and a half million middle income earning Americans are projected to be age 75 or older by the end of the decade according to a recent survey, uh, or recent survey data. And that number will rise by nearly 50% over the next nine years, creating what could be a huge issue when it comes to long-term care affordability. You know, today, about 8 million people age 75 and older fall into a gap between being qualified for Medicaid to pay for Healthcare needs for long-term care, and, and and let's be clear here. When we say healthcare, it's really not skilled healthcare. It's being able to live, but independently. And can you do that, or can you not? And if you can't, you have to pay for that care. Best case scenario, your Medicare and your supplement for Medicare would pay for a hundred days, or part of the cost for a hundred days, but then nothing beyond that. 
And so, as I mentioned, 8 million people today that are over 75 are in this gap where they don't qualify for Medicaid because they have too much money. You know, to qualify for Medicaid, you typically have to be destitute and broke. So they fall between this gap where they have too much to qualify for Medicaid, but they cannot afford comfortably to provide for care either in the home or in a long-term care facility, either assisted living or nursing home. Now, I mentioned our, before the break there that today, 65-year-old has a 75, excuse me, a 70% likelihood of needing assisted living or long-term care assistance in the future. That means if you're married, you have about a 50% likelihood that you're both going to need long-term care. And in 2020, the average assisted living, you know, assisted living here in East Tennessee costs between forty-five dollars and $60,000 a year, depending on the level of care that you need. Some of you, it could be actually just a little bit lower than that, but I've found most are between forty-five dollars and $60,000 a year. And then for a nursing home, the average is pushing $85,000, over $7,000 a month here in East Tennessee. And most of the companies that offer long-term care services are really aimed at middle to upper income individuals, according to the International Council on Active Aging. In other words, in order to afford these costs, people have to be upper income earners. Some combination of higher income and higher asset base. So of the projected 14.5 middle-income Americans, 14.5 million middle-income Americans, it is estimated that 54% of them will not be able to afford their assistance. So how do you plan for this? I think, number one, you need to start as early as possible. Now, there, there are a lot of different ways to afford long-term care. And... Yes, insurance is an option, but so is self-funding. And bottom line, the earlier you get started, the better you're protected. There is no, there's really never too early of an age to plan for this. I mean, the more you save and accumulate early in life, the more wealth you, you build, the more you can afford to self-fund this potential risk to your retirement savings. Likewise, the earlier you begin funding an insurance option, the less expensive it's going to be, and you can pay it all, pay all the premium costs before you retire, so that when you're retired, you no longer have to pay those costs. You know, there's a lot of ways with insurance options uh, to fund these insurance programs where by the time you get to retirement, you're done. You have funded them. I do want to mention on the insurance side, there are two basic programs. There's, um, a pro There are programs, more traditional long-term care insurance. I would call this, it's, it's like renting your insurance. You pay an annual cost and use it or lose it. So if you pay that cost, you know, if you never use it, you don't get anything out of it. If you uh, pay it and then stop paying it, you don't get anything for it. So it's just like renting a house. You know, if I rent a house for 10 years and then I move, I don't have anything for it. 
So if you don't need it or you stop paying, you don't get anything out of it. There are alternatives with traditional insurance where if you start early, you can pay it up before you retire, as I said. So you pay a higher premium, but then it's all paid up. It's called paid up. So at 65 or 70 or whenever you structure it, at that point, you're done. Uh, but you're still not guaranteed to get anything out of it. And then there are asset-based programs where you're setting aside money, and it's kind of like taking money out of the left-hand pocket, and you're putting it in the right-hand pocket. And it's still an asset for you, but it's more of an insurance asset. And the two issues here are, you you well, first off, you own it rather than renting it. So you're owning an insurance program that's guaranteed to pay your money somewhere, okay? And then the idea is if you need it for long-term care, it will leverage that money into a much higher payout. And that's what long-term care insurance is all about, is you're leveraging a smaller amount of money into a much larger amount of money. And the good thing about these asset-based programs is, number one, even if you never need it, there's going to be a death benefit guarantee to somebody down the line, a spouse or your kids. So somebody's going to get the benefit of that money. And some of those programs, you're guaranteed that money back. If you decide to cancel in the future, you can get it, you can get your money back. You're not going to make any money, but you can get your money back. Uh, the other, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the other benefit to this is that the costs are, are guaranteed once you qualify for these programs. So in other words, if you, you know, the insurance companies cannot come back in the future and say, you know what, this is, this is more important than we thought to insure. So we're going we're gonna to increase your premium. That's one of the, the problems with renting insurance, you know, in those traditional programs. If you've done that for years, you, I, I'm sure you've seen a premium increase. In the, the, in the plans where you own the coverage, they can't do that. And they come in different versions. Some of them provide an additional death benefit. Some of them, I mean, for those of you that are older, I mean, all of these programs, you have to medically qualify. But some of them are pretty easy. I mean, there's, there's one program that goes all the way up to 80 years old, and it's called a long-term care annuity. And it's a deferred annuity, meaning it's still your money. It's still, it's yours to cash in if you want. It goes to your beneficiaries when you die. There is a surrender period where there would be penalties for early surrender. But if you put in $100,000, it could, if you need long-term care, it turns into up to $300,000. Well, that's some good leverage for somebody who's 78 years old that if, as long as you don't have a serious medical issue and you're not already impaired in a significant way, you can probably get that. So there are a lot of ways with these asset-based programs to leverage a small amount of money to potentially pay out a larger amount of benefit. But I say they're asset-based, and you're kind of moving the money from left-hand pocket to the right-hand pocket, but can you afford to do that? Because while it's an asset for you, it's more of an insurance asset. And yes, I mentioned that in some of these programs, you can get that money back. There's a cash asset there, there too, but if you do that, now you don't have long-term care coverage. So you're kind of setting that money aside and saying, I'm not going to use this money for income. I'm going to set it aside, and if I need long-term care, it will leverage into a much, much higher payout. If I don't need long-term care, I'm still going to get some money back at some point down the line. 
But can you afford to set that aside and not use it for income? Because it will not be an income-producing asset for you anymore. So that's what has to be factored in. But you've just got to have a, a, a plan for how you're going to pay for this. Costs are going up at about 5 to 6% a year, which is more than double the rate of inflation over the last 20 years. So if it's 85000 a year now, then in 12 to 14 years, it's going to be 170000 for a nursing home. And that's kind of scary. So if you're 70 years old at 82, 84 years old, then costs are going to double, more than likely. So this should be part of your financial plan. I mentioned comprehensive financial planning earlier. I mentioned the income plan and that a crucial element is the Social Security uh, uh, strategy. Well, health care is, is one of the five major prongs of a comprehensive retirement financial plan. And health care is both your traditional insurance, Medicare premiums, uh, Medicare supplements, supplement, Medigap, and then also long-term care. Now, in our last segment, you know, there's a lot going on in Congress today. And by the way, the infrastructure bill was passed last night at 12-something in the morning, Eastern time. They passed the infrastructure bill, not the tax and spend bill. They passed the infrastructure bill uh, for roads, highways, Internet, broadband. Who know, we don't know what kind of pork is in those plans, what all's in there. Um, I know our local congressman, uh, Tim Burchett, said he hadn't been, you know, no time, there hadn't been enough time to read the whole plan. But then there's also the tax and spend plan, which has been debated and there's been a lot of compromise. It's gone from $3.5 to a little less than $2 trillion. Some are saying, what are the real costs? Bottom line is, there have been, they have been discussing changes to retirement accounts accounts. How do you save inside IRAs and 401ks and just as importantly inside of Roth, Roth IRA, Roth 401k. So when we come back, what do some of those potential changes look like? I don't think significant changes are going to happen right away. I could be wrong. But the fact that these are now starting to be talked about, we had the SECURE Act that was passed almost two years ago that affected retirement accounts. And I think we're going to see more changes in the future. So what's being discussed and what does that mean for you? So stay with us. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. And thank you for tuning in this week to More Living with Jim Brogan. You can catch us online with our podcast at broganfinancial.com. Uh, we're on every Saturday, 9 to 10 a.m., again from 3 to 4 p.m., right here on News Talk 98.7. And let's talk about what's going on with Congress and, and, and specifically with retirement accounts, IRAs, 401Ks, 403Bs, and Roth. Could we see changes to the rules regarding Roth IRAs and other retirement accounts? You know, House Democrats are proposing several changes to retirement accounts as a push to raise more in tax revenue. So there's been a few things that have kind of been floated out there. I don't know how much of this stuff is likely to happen now, 
But the fact that now it's being started to dis being discussed more and more, I think down the line, where does this go? People with retirement accounts with more than $10 million would be prohibited from contributing more and would be subject to required minimum distributions prior to 59 and a half. And they're saying if your balance would exceed $10 million, one proposal has said you have to withdraw at least 50% of the amount over $10 million the following year. People making over 400000 in taxable income would not be allowed to contribute to a traditional Roth, and it would repeal backdoor Roth. You know, backdoor Roth is a strategy we've used successfully with many of our higher income earning clients because if you earn too much, you cannot add money to a new Roth. But you can add money to, a, to an IRA. You can do a non-deductible IRA contribution even if you're participating in a 401k. And you can then convert it. You don't get a tax deduction, but you can then convert it to a Roth and, it's tax, and, and you don't pay additional tax because you, you didn't take the tax deduction. Now, don't rush out and do that because there's a lot of rules to that. You have to do it the right way, and if you have other IRAs, there could be other tax consequences. But the bill would repeal backdoor Roth conversions. And also the mega Roth backdoor strategy that higher earners have used to save up to 58000 a year in their 401k and then convert it to Roth. And that's been the concern in Congress is that some people, some high wealthy people have been accumulating millions of dollars over years in a Roth by using some of these backdoor strategies. Now, I know these are for higher earners and higher, higher people that have a higher wealth, but how, how's this going to affect us in the future? Well, the fact that they're, you know, we're going to see prop. Well, we know we're going to see tax increases because the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is going to expire at the end of 2025. And I think with our budget issues, our debt, our spending that's likely to, I mean, we just passed a $550 billion spending bill uh, for infrastructure. And they're talking about the additional tax and spend bill. So, you know, I think taxes are likely to go up a pretty good bit in the future. And, and retirement account changes is, is, an area where we really got to keep our eye out for this. So, you know, it, it, it occurs to me that one of the benefits of really having a, a well-developed plan is that you now are able to make more changes in the future. A good plan actually makes you more flexible to adjust to changes in the law. And that's going to be critically important in our future, in my opinion. You can stay abreast of all these legal changes and con congressional changes right here on More Living with Jim Brogan. Thank you for tuning in this week. We've discussed your wealth because greater wealth provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. You can catch us on, here every week, 9 to 10 a.m., again, 3 to 4 p.m. on Saturdays. Also, our podcasts online. Go to broganfinancial.com and click on radio. Also, uh, next week... Chasing History, we're going to talk with Chase Pipes Archaeology and Educational Expeditions. I'm really excited about this show. We're going to talk about some cool stuff of what's going on with Chasing History. So, so thank you for, to Chris for engineering the board. Thank you, Jill, producing the show. Thank you for tuning in this week. Have a great and blessed weekend. You've been listening to More Living with Jim Brogan, only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. 
The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.